Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, you wonderful human, you, and a warm welcome to Back of the Net, the ASC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker, down here in New Zealand, drinking a coffee at 10 a.m. And me, Sam Davis, sitting here in pool, and it's 11 p.m. here, and I'm also drinking a coffee too. Sam, that's a terrible idea. You're never going to sleep. You know the rule, no drinking coffee after two. I think that's the rule anyway. Well, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, whether you're drinking coffee or maybe you're sipping a pina colada on a beach somewhere, we're glad you are here with us. And we hope over the next hour or so, we will engage you, we will entertain you and enthrall you with all things AFCB. That's right, and we mean all things AFCB, as this week we're bringing you a show full to the brim of Cherry's Chat, powerful puns and vivacious Vox Pops. Amazing alliteration, eh, Sam? Hey, thank you very much, Sean. Well, in the spirit of not being safe in the Premier League, yet continually saying on the podcast week after week that we are safe, I'm wearing, you guessed it, our Premier League home kit. And I am also wearing a Premier League kit. It's the third kit. It's pink. And I'm wearing this because it's the closest shirt to purple in memory of Prince. Because there's no way I'm fitting into the 1992-93 horrible purple away shirt that we had. I used to love that shirt. But anyway, not as much as I love the features we've got on today's show. Seamless link. So, coming up on episode 9 of Back of the Net... We hear your fan thoughts after the match against Chelsea and discuss everything that happened on the pitch, as well as hearing this week's listeners submitted hilarious headlines. Yeah, that's right. Plus, we'll be getting quizzical with another Do You Remember? And this week, I'll give you a clue. It features someone from the past. Don't say I'm not of any help. Sam, stop giving it away. But after Do You Remember, we'll be listening to your thoughts in the online world of Cherries fans as Sam reviews all things Bournemouth from the Information Superhighway. Information Superhighway. Bit 80s there, Sean. We'll also be featuring yet another loyal Bournemouth supporter, hearing from Vinnie Goodfield, ably assisted by his baby son Liam, who, incidentally, I'm told, is a great dribbler. In this week's feature, Sam went and watched the AFC Bournemouth ladies as they were on the verge of securing the Division 2 league title as they faced Southampton in a match that could see them clinch their second promotion in a row. Did they manage it? Find out later. Mm, As well as this, Sean goes all Trevor McDonald on us and brings us the week's AFC Bournemouth news live from the news centre. Bong... Plus, we discuss the upcoming away fixture versus Everton and also tackle the topic of Eddie Howe and the tabloid articles which link him with the Toffees. Will he stay or will he go now? Myself and Sam may have, wait for it, 
a clash of opinions. No words, Sean, no words. Plus, plus, you know it's a big show when we have to repeat the word plus. We are pleased to be announcing the categories for the inaugural Back of the Net End of Season Awards 2015-16. We reveal the 10 award titles and then you can get voting on our website in what is sure to be the biggest online phenomena since uh, the Harlem Shake. Is that a thing? Yes, Sam, it is definitely a thing. Okay, well, I think we should get stuck in then and listen to your fan thoughts from Saturday's game. But first, we'll have a brief summary of the game from the boys at TalkSport. Bournemouth 1, Chelsea 4, Eden Hazard on the score sheet again, he waits 8 months for a Premier League goal and then 2 come along at once, it was Matic who got to the byline, pulled it back, 6 yards out and Eden Hazard fires into the net. Easy, chant the Chelsea fans, they're right, Bournemouth 1, Chelsea 4. Scoreline, a little bit unfair on uh, Bournemouth. Yeah, it is a little bit unfair. Second half though, I think Chelsea have been, uh, had that little superior quality um, and and really it's Fabregas that's run the show here this afternoon, isn't it? Um, So yeah, yeah, probably deserve points, but unfair scoreline on Bournemouth. Hey guys, it's your favourite Cherries fan from Florida, Chase. Uh, just got done watching the Chelsea fixture. Um, tough, tough to watch. I think um, most fans would agree. Uh, maybe not what we were looking for after Liverpool last week. Honestly, thought this would be a more favorable fixture than any of the ones we've just played, and ended up uh, getting out of hand. Um, it was good to see a, a goal from from Elphick at the end of the first half, but coming after a couple of goals. Uh, from Chelsea, one early on and um, one late in the half um, and a couple more uh, in the second half. This is Biaj T from Sobo and I've just commented on, what is it, Louis Grabane? Louis Grabong? Louis Louis Graban. Oh, you cannot escape. He's grabbing on match attacks and grabbing it always. Get over yourself. It's great to know we're going to be back next year and been able to survive its first year in the Premier League, but also hoping for better in the future. And I think it will. I think with the the Premier League money that you get from staying up for another year and, uh, you know, we've already got rumors and we already heard things, little tidbits uh, for the summer transfer window. So, you know, we should be better next year, and I'm hoping for better. Obviously, we'd like to see some more points from these last few results, but um, try to keep some perspective about what's going to happen. And, and uh, you know, they haven't been ideal results lately, but I think we can hope for better, and, and we'll, we might be able to get some points here from these last three. That's all. Thanks, guys. Hi, my name is Joe Wright, and I'm going to be reporting on the Bournemouth-Chelsea match. I thought we were okay in the first half. But Chelsea were really fast on the counter and we gave Fabregas too much room. When Towards the end of the second half, we got a goal back through Elphick and I thought we could have done better in the second half, but it just wasn't meant to be. Um, when we bring on a Phobie and Wilson, I thought they were going to ch- change the game and maybe get a winner for us. But then again, Chelsea just countered us really fast and got two goals. And I thought Chelsea considering how bad they've been this season we're, we're really good and we're one of the best teams that have been down to Bournemouth this year thank you for putting me on the podcast And thank you very much for our fan thoughts. Big shout to Joe Wright, age 12. Chase, of course, from Florida, our favourite Cherries fan, as he said. And Big T as well, or he called himself Biage T this week, <laughs> didn't he, Sean? Yeah, Big big T in Sobo, Southbourne. I have a sneaky feeling there may have been one or two uh, drinks enjoyed at the White Bear, I think, before he made that call. Great call, though. But 
Eden Hazard scored his first league goals of the season as Chelsea overcame Bournemouth in an entertaining game at the Vitality. Cesc Fabregas provided Chelsea's first three goals, teeing up Pedro and Hazard in the first half before releasing Will I Am for his third after the break. Bournemouth, of course, they did get back to 2-1 with Tommy Elphick's header, which crept in before half-time, but Hazard, who netted 19 times last season, finished from Matic's pullback in injury time. So the final score was 4-1 and Sean were you as disappointed as I was? Definite case of we've seen this before wasn't it really but the only thing was I mean the the team that started we had Stanislas on the right Pugh came in on the left because Pugh had done well the week before Graben and King up the top so you know the squad looked okay from the start I thought that was that was pretty reasonable um Stanislas surprised me a little bit just because I still think he was coming back from fitness but maybe that was just it let's just give him as many minutes as we can but the funny thing was the first four and a half minutes of this game I thought we played with more intensity and more fight than I'd seen over the last few weeks. We were really pressing them. We were at them fast in their half. We were winning the ball back. We were getting in behind the fullback already. Um, Ivanovic was having a bit of a rough ride with King. They had uh, Obi Mikel playing at centre-back. He's not normally a centre-back. And you just felt like, whoa, we're really onto this at the moment. And then, ah, goal. Yeah, didn't go too well, did it? We were on the attack and it's, you know what, if we don't score, we will lose the ball and we will lose possession. So to me, it felt a little gung-ho. We've done it before, but anyway, we were on the attack and uh, it broke down and then Chelsea just ripped through. Uh, it was only three or four passes before it met Pedro, who finished very coolly into the bottom left-hand corner. Um, can you lay the blame anywhere, Sean? Well, we did get caught and, you know, lots of people are commenting about our style of play and the fact that our two fullbacks, we do play pretty high. Uh, We had a good message from uh, Jamie Williams that kind of sent us his thoughts on the game. And he was talking about how we are far too open and especially we've got two players. We only have two players back because both our fullbacks are pushing on. In, In lots of teams, you'll see when the right back goes forward, the left back holds back and vice versa on the other side with us. We do like to push both forward. And on this occasion, Daniels had attacked and had got into the box. The ball came back out. I felt like he could have got back a bit quicker than he did. He seemed to stay forward when Francis had the ball on the right. But again, that's I guess that's how we play. It was lost after Francis. And then suddenly we're just desperately short at the back, especially without those midfielders holding. Ball's played through to Pedro. He was... I mean, what a finish, but I felt a bit sorry for Boric because it's as a goalkeeper, he's come off his line, he's made himself big. But Pedro took that extra touch, so it looked as if Boric had actually dived a bit early because he'd kind of committed himself to the dive, but Pedro, little touch of his right and then scooped it in, I think, with his left, and suddenly we're 1-0 down. Yeah, I know it's... It worked in the championship, but this is a different league. You know, literally, when you're playing four four two and you've not got your most favourable midfield pairing and your central defenders aren't exactly Linford Christie and your fullbacks are halfway up the pitch, you're going to get annihilated by quality. And Chelsea did adjust that. We did, however, unlike previous games, for the next sort of... Uh, I don't know, half an hour or so, it was pretty intense. We had uh, Cook over the bar, uh, King from the corner with the step over. King sort of had to run back and blast it over the bar. Um, We did have a few chances and Graben, of course, had a one-on-one too. Yeah, we did. I mean, it was a real open game, which was worrying because as you're watching it, you just felt like with the quality that Chelsea had, we're going to give them chances. And when they when they get the chance, they're probably going to take it. So it did it did have a feel of I mean, the commentators said on the game, I was, you know, the commentary I was watching that it looked like it was two sides that had nothing to play for and just relaxed and and giving it a bit of a free ride, which kind of suited Chelsea. But having said that, yes, we did have chances. Grabbing one was probably the pick of the bunch where he's he's got the ball. I think it was from a pew through ball. He's cut in. He's pretty much one-on-one and just blasted it straight at the keeper. Uh, Lewis Graben, look, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and criticise our players. So I'm actually going to stand up for this bit. <laughs> no, Lewis, Lewis Graben, right? 
seven million pounds. And whilst I do appreciate recently that you were talking about money not really meaning anything these days, it's the Premier League. I do believe that seven million should buy you a striker that can score one on one. Now, I actually do like Lewis Graben, and although it sounds like I've got a bone to pick with him, I don't at all. His build-up play is really good. His general touch, natural ability is really good. However, his decision-making in front of goal sometimes I find woeful. Like last night, right, I was on Twitter, and just I, you know, I don't know why I did it, but I just searched Graben one-on-one in speech marks just to make sure that I uh, you know, got the search right. And put it this way, out of the 100 tweets or so I read – there were three or four positive ones. This is a part of his game that I feel he really needs to improve on. The only player in the AFC Bournemouth side at the moment that I would feel happy with a one-on-one is Wilson. Maybe as the season has progressed, Josh King perhaps, but Wilson, you know, Wilson's goal against Brighton last year shows he's dynamic, low centre of gravity, twists, he swivels, grabbing in comparisons like almost robotic and whilst he's got the power, he does tend to shoot very early. And that was a golden chance that I think, you know, three of our other strikers would have scored. Yeah, I th- it was one where, because he was quite wide and he was cutting in and he was pretty straight with his body shape. And you knew he was going to hit it with his right foot. If he'd have been able to, if he was left footed, I think he would have just opened himself up and probably slotted it in the other corner. You could kind of see he was very straight and it just meant the shot was going to be a straight shot. And it was pretty disappointing. I mean, uh, I guess, yeah, you would say looking at Joshua King early on in the season, it was like, this guy's good, but he can't finish. In the last few goals he's got, they've been really clinical finishes. So I guess you could say there's been a lot of work on his finishing and that's what we're seeing from it. Let's hope that comes from Graben. Yeah, so it was 2-0 after 34 minutes. Hazard uh, scored a right-footed shot from outside the box to the bottom left corner. Uh, That was assisted by Fabregas. (laughs) Very good goal. Um, What is it about players seemingly, you know, rejuvenating their goal-scoring form against us? Uh, Harry Kane did it for Spurs and now Hazard. He's probably going to go on to score a few more. Tommy Elphick pulled one back. Uh, That was um, assisted by Simon Francis. Um, I like the way we kind of vary up our corners, but it was a very good header there. So half time came and went 2-1. I was feeling quite confident as we went into the break. Uh, but the second half didn't really live up to the kind of positivity that I was feeling during half time. No, it didn't. We at half time we thought, oh, maybe we'll see an improvement in the second half. It just kind of the game just petered out, really, didn't it? It it was just too much space. We weren't really pressing them. Fabregas, I mean, he must have just loved this game. Just able to pick the ball up, have 20 yards with no one around him and just slotting through balls. And then, yeah, I mean, we brought on Wilson and Fobe. And it was the dream partnership we've all been talking about. And, I mean, yeah, did we have a shot, really, that caused any trouble to Begovic? Not that I really remember. Stanislas uh, had a shot with his right foot, which was kind of curling in. If the goal was maybe 10 yards further back (laughs) behind the pitch, uh, then it might have crept in. But um, Fabregas, as you said, absolutely influential, played Will Ian in, he made it 3-1 and it just, it just wasn't great. And then the piece de la resistance came in injury time when Hazard himself had a right foot shot, close range, uh, putting it into the bottom left-hand corner, assisted by Nemanja Matic. And it was almost like the game stood still during that goal. Yeah, watching it back, um, Eden Hazard was out wide on the left and he just casually drifts across and he goes past uh, Richie and he goes past Gosling as well and ambles into the box. The ball's cut back and bang, it's in the net. And yeah, it just had a bit of inevitability about it that it never really felt like we were going to get back in the game. They were pretty much on cruise control and it was, I mean, we don't need to spend ages talking about it because we've talked about it in the, Spurs game in the City game in the Liverpool game and it was just it was same old wasn't it 4-4-2 4-4-2 4-4-2 so you know and they were all bad losses 
what made Howe think, let's go 4-4-2 again? This is what some people were picking up over on Twitter. So, I mean, at the moment, it's just, um, it's really difficult to talk about. <laughs> I find it really hard. So, yeah, we'll probably keep the section short. But overall, how are you feeling about uh, the way the season is going? There was the kind of positive start and then the lull and then the positivity. And now it's just, I don't know, I, I feel quite sad about it, really. It's definitely got flat. There was that there was that feeling when we were coming into these last, you know, the big tough fixtures of all these big clubs we had to play. I felt like we'd have at least one more classic Premier League memory to take from this season. And you thought maybe it'd be Liverpool will get our revenge, you know, after what happened at Anfield. Then maybe Chelsea because, you know, it'll be our first double. And you just look at it now and you think Everton away... Yeah, they're on the back foot, so maybe we're going to be playing them at a good time. West Brom, as we've seen today, they can, you know, stick up against Spurs, so they're not going to be the big easy side. And then United away, preparing for the FA Cup final. I don't know. I mean, you're now looking at it going, are we just going to... Is that it? Is that our points total now? I just... Mm. It's, yeah, feeling flat, but I suppose... There's only one way to, you know, get out of this flat cycle, and that's by listening to a few puns. So, <laughs> yes, we, we, we've got a couple, and we love your puns. After every match, we want you to tweet them in to at AFCB Podcast. We love them. First one, Dave Gullis, who is Grockle Free on Twitter. His oh, pun yeah. was, warning, hazard lights blues, as Howe asks, will I am, where is the love? Oh, yeah, that's good. Another strong, strong effort from Grockle Free. But go on, what, what else have we got? Loving the Black Eyed Peas link there. And also we had one from Nobby Dog who said, not quite Blue Monday, but Eddie may need to seek new order. <laughs> oh, that's really good. That is brilliant. Nobby Dog making it on debut here at Back of the Net in the <laughs> puntastic pun-off Oh, I'm giving it to him this week or, or her, Nobby Dog. Who knows? Maybe him or her. Nobby Dog, that's that's awesome work. Yeah, really, really good. And uh, make sure that you remember to do it again next week. Is that another good link for you, Sean? Yeah, again, we need to work on the seamlessness, but otherwise it's good. It's like, um, you know, when you buy those those suits when you go to Southeast Asia and the seams are just not quite that good, you know, and they kind of come away and you're like, oh, for 20 bucks, I bought this suit. That's pretty much how you link things, Sam, at the moment with your seams. But anyway, um, we'll move on from shoddy suits to Do You Remember? This player was born on the 11th of October 1978 and made his professional debut for Heart of Midlothian in 1997. He signed on loan for the Cherries early on in the 2001 season and then shortly afterwards was signed permanently. He went on to play 116 games for Bournemouth, scoring 16 goals. He was a centre-forward who cried when we got relegated at Wrexham at the end of that 2001 season. He was never meant to be a Steve Fletcher replacement, despite some fans unfavourably comparing him versus the Biggin. Okay, Sam, there you go. Last week, you were very confident and you got it right within a couple of answers. How about this week? I th- I think I'm confident. I just I'm not sure he played the amount of games that you said. But the first clue I got a name in my head. Clues two and three put me off. But I'm going to stick to the name because clue four kind of rang true a bit. So I think I'm okay. All right. Well, we will give you all the answer at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. Coming up very soon, I will be bringing you the club news, which features the best puns I have ever put together for the show. 
Oh, that's uh, that's some statement there. And plus, remember to tune in later on as well, because we have got the launch, the launch of the Back of the Net End of Season Awards. We've got the categories in place and it's now your time to vote. I can't wait for that. But you probably can't wait for this, can you? It's my review of the last seven days online. Do you ever get that feeling of deja vu? I'm sat down here trawling Twitter and just seeing what's happened in the last seven days. And to be honest, I might as well just be playing another one of my online reviews from post Spurs or post Manchester City. Like the East Overcliff, AFC Bournemouth crumbled at home on Saturday to a Chelsea side who, whilst they contain a number of World Cup Supremos and Champions League regulars, were nothing more than a mid-table side. However, like in matches this year against mid-table Stoke, mid-table Everton and a bit higher than mid-table Liverpool, Bournemouth were outthought and outdone by a side who, whilst they may not have dominated possession completely, were ultra-clinical up front with their attacking potency ultimately being the difference between the two sides. When the teams were announced, some people on Twitter said that they could see nothing but a mauling, And they were right, as Chelsea strolled to a 4-1 win. The media said it was harsh on the Cherries, and although the Bournemouth fans tended to agree, there was the feeling of same old, same old. So, why did it all go wrong? Well, supporters on Twitter were quick to make their assumptions. Boscombe Albion tweeted, People need to understand that in the main, our defence is pretty shoddy. Jack Wiles tweeted, Our defence is useless. And Peter Humphrey agreed by saying that our defending has been shambolic lately, but it stems from the weakness and lack of intensity in the middle of the park. Read our form with and without Arta and it tells the story. We are reliant on him and his energy. Gosling and Sermon are too similar. Stu Brownlee agreed. Just cannot cope without Arta. Still annoyed we didn't recruit quality cover in the January window. Tom Jordan tweeted... 4-4-2 versus Spurs was bad, versus City was naive, and again today, why aren't we learning from previous games? Gosling and Drew have no chance versus three in the middle. And Rose Ed, hoofed out on Twitter, said, Another pathetic effort at home. Only decent midfielder we have is injured, and when King went off, any threat went with him. So it's clear that there are fingers being pointed in certain directions. So what for the future? Well, according to some, the Premier League has well and truly shown that a number of our squad are simply not up to the task. Alex Deutsch tweeted, I'm not exaggerating when I say that Howe really has to make some horrible conversations this summer if we are to progress. These players will be in the history books forever for what they've achieved, but it's time to better ourselves. And James, who is Shoeshine1973 on Twitter, agreed by saying Eddie Summer Shopping List, back four, keeper, winger, defensive midfielder, seven times ten million pounds, sorted. Moments after Bournemouth's defeat, 100 miles down the road, Wembley hosted Manchester United versus Everton in the FA Cup, which was a much closer affair than the league max we witnessed at Dean Court two hours previous. This time, though, it was the team in red that were the victors, and after the game, speculation was rife about the managerial position at Goodison Park, as many people are assuming Roberto Martinez is on his way out. So, what chance Eddie Howe? And Red and Black 68 asked this very question on Twitter by saying, What do we reckon then? If Howe was offered the Everton job, would he take it? He put his own opinion in there first by saying, Personally, I don't think it would be the right thing for him at all. But then, he's got previous, admittedly different circumstances. Fat Burke said, If he didn't have the power he has, and the freedom he has, he may consider it. But right now, he has everything to help him progress. Phil Watkins came up with, too far north in my opinion. And then Nicky Whitehouse tweeted, I'd say a confident no way, but I do remember saying that before. So, have we taken our foot off the gas? Most would agree that we have, but despite this being our first Premier League season, and despite the fact we hit the 40-point mark just in time, there has still been a lot of criticism. Some people, however, say this is undeserved. 
Mark Jackson on Twitter said, I've had enough of Bournemouth fans saying how crap we are. The aim this season was to stay up. We've done that, so chill out. Matt then replied, but that was a bad performance today though. We are much better than that. We've switched off for this season. And Mark replied saying, we were naive at the back, yeah, but people saying that we are still playing like League 2, it's the same every time we lose. Being clinical in front of goal seems to be a problem for AFC Bournemouth at the moment, and Peter Bell on Cherry Chimes echoed just that on his blog where he said, While it was impressive to see AFCB create so many chances against Chelsea, there is a bit of a question mark over why they did not put away some of the 13 attempts they had on goal. Begovic did have a good game for Chelsea, but he was not forced to do that much work during the 90 minutes, and even Boric at the other end was not constantly diving around to keep Chelsea out. It's just the quality of Chelsea strikes that were clinical, yet with all the striking talent that AFCB had to call upon, it is perhaps a surprise that they did not get a bit more reward for their efforts. Oh well, it didn't seem to be our weekend, did it? But to end on a positive note, from the Vitals Forum, Grumpy Git said, Our club receives quite a lot of flack from supporters, so I thought therefore I would share some good news. A Chelsea wheelchair supporter told me on Saturday that our club issued 24 wheelchair tickets to their supporters. I personally think that's phenomenal news. Little old Bournemouth from Division 2, surpassing clubs like Chelsea, Spurs, Liverpool and Everton. To put that into context, Chelsea, total away spaces for non-ambulance supporters is 5, Spurs, 4, Everton is 13 and Liverpool is 8. He then went on to say, we also have an area where disabled people can congregate before the match. A lot of clubs don't do that. And AFCB aid agreed. That puts a lot of clubs to shame. So does that mean we are best practice or are there better examples to which we need to aspire? Slow down Derek said, credit's where it's due. They've incorporated some better positions into the new stadium development as well. Onwards and upwards. So there we go. We must be doing something right. And with the ladies team winning the championship, as we'll hear later on in the podcast, things aren't all that bad for AFC Bournemouth. By the way, did you ever get that feeling of deja vu? AFC B Club News. Lee is Tomlin down the pecking order, so we'll talk to Eddie in the summer. Lee Tomlin is to have talks with Eddie Howe once the season finishes over his future at the club. Tomlin was a fairly surprising signing during the pre-season and failed to hold down a regular position in the first team, making just six appearances before signing on loan at struggling championship side Bristol City in January for the rest of the season. Last week, Howe said he'd be talking to Lee in the summer about his future, with Bristol City boss Lee Johnson saying he is keen for him to stay. Tomlin has said, I'm enjoying life at Bristol City because I'm doing what I get paid to do, which is play games and score goals. When I enjoy my football, that's when I begin to do well. Eddie Howe knows what I can do, that's why he signed me in the first place. I've come here to show him what I can do and hopefully I can get involved next season. Premiership football is the one, but if you're there and not playing, then what's the point? It's as simple as that for me. So we're going to have to wait and see whether Howe has him in his plans for next season or whether it was a brief hello, goodbye stint as a cherry. Harry Arter's charity auction raises huge sum. Following the loss of their stillborn daughter, Renee, Harry and his partner, Rachel, decided to set up a charity auction on eBay to raise funds for the family-run organisation For Louis. For Louis offers support to couples who have had to go through the horror of losing their baby and the 10-day auction had a range of items such as signed shirts, boots and VIP match experiences and managed to raise over £13,000. Arta told the AFCB website, The money raised from the auction is going to such a good cause. It's going to make a big difference to families going through a similar thing, so I'm really glad that we could help in this way. And congrats to everybody who is listening who got involved in that auction. 
Here we go. I think this is my best pun yet. Toffees chewing over the cherry on the top as their potential next big cheese. I'll just let that sink in. Rumours in the media are saying that if, or should we say when, Roberto Martinez is sacked as Everton boss, then a move for Eddie Howe could be on the cards. Allegedly, Howe is on the shortlist of candidates to be approached by the Everton board should they be looking for a new manager, with the fact that Eddie is an Everton fan no doubt adding to the speculation. However, when asked earlier in the month about potentially moving to a bigger club, Howe said, I am absolutely committed to the challenges I face here and committed to AFC Bournemouth as much as I have ever been. I want to take this club into new ground all the time. So back off, Blues. Eddie's a red. AFCB Club News. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Oh, Shawnee. So what we got then, let's just uh, deconstruct these linguistic masterpieces. Lee is tumbling down the pecking order. <laughs> I presume that's a play on the word tumbling, is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and also we've got, now this one took some doing, surely. Right, <clears throat> here we go. Toffees chewing over the cherry on the top as their potential big cheese. Yeah, see, three. I've got three in there. So Toffees, obviously, Everton Toffees chewing because Toffees are quite chewy. Eddie, right, is a top man, so he's a cherry. So it's a cherry on the... Sam, 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 wake up. Sam, (laughs) Sam. If if only I had the tumbleweed clip, I'd pl- I'd play it right now. But unfortunately, I haven't, Sean. Lucky. You mean the Tomlin weed? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're on it today, aren't you? I, I think am. we should move on. All right. On that glorious high, we will move on to the supporter profile this week, which is a which is a unique first for back of the net. It's two people at one time. It's Vinnie Goodfield and it's Liam G. He's 16 months old and just wait for him to give the answer for his favourite player. Supporter profile. What is your name? Vinnie Goodfield. And with my little lad, Liam Goodfield. Where do you live? We live in Richmond in southwest London. First Bournemouth game attended. It was a home game against Millwall on the 19th of April 1988 and we lost 2-1 and the attendance was 9,204. Uh, reason I know details is I'm really sad and I'll keep a spreadsheet of every game I've ever been to. Cool, I know. Favourite player of all time? Uh, Matt Holland, I'd say. Um, not just because he's a tremendous footballer, uh, but the way that he uh, he led the team and everything when we were in, the, uh, in receivership and stuff in 1997. I thought uh, the way he stood up to the, the crowds and led the players when they weren't getting paid and, uh, you know, speaking at the Winter Gardens and stuff was... Uh, very inspirational uh, for such a young man and uh, yeah, really showed his leadership qualities there and uh, weren't for people like him, uh, you know, we wouldn't still be going today. Favourite current player? Simon Francis, I just think he's an amazing footballer. Um, as a right back, he marauds up and down, he's good defensively. Um, he's also quite tall for a fullback, so he's really good in the air, gives a good outlook on the goal kicks. Um, and then when we had injury problems, um, moved him into the centre back position, and, and he was he was just as good, really. Um, just yeah, what an amazing player coming through the leagues like that, superb. Uh, and uh, my little lad uh, Liam wanted to say who his favourite player is as well. Liam, ah. who's your favourite footballer? Is it Arta? Is it Arta? Good boy. Favourite. All-time AFCB game. That would be Brentford away. Um, it was on the 29th of April 1995. Uh, we won 2-1. The crowd was 10,079, in case you want to know. I'm sure you did. Uh, my spreadsheet came in handy there. Um, yeah, what an amazing uh, day that was. Just the original Great Escape. 
Uh, Mel Machin, he's fat and he's bowling. Uh, good goal by Steve Jones, and then a, 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 just before that, a brilliant long-range strike by Scott Mean. Uh, yeah, just just uh, the original Great Escape. Eh? They, those were the days. Uh, still buzzing off that result even now. Your greatest AFCB goal. Uh, Frank Rollin against Walsall on the 17th of March 1998. Uh, yeah, for this, I don't interpret it as, as technically the best goal. Um, so obviously there's been loads of those. Uh, Brett Pittman's sort of volley from out on the wing. Uh, Steve Jones did something similar. Uh, Peterborough away in 1995. Um but for me, being a fan is about being there and, uh, yeah, just going absolutely mental. And I remember when uh, Frank Rollins scored that goal that, that took us to Wembley in the uh, auto-windscreen shield. It was the old days of the South End, the crumbling terrace. And he just went mental. He just, like, I don't know, he just ended up, like, 50 yards away from where he started. And you just don't... Football just isn't like that anymore. And, and uh, it's just not as good, basically. Best moment as a Bournemouth fan. I'm going to say something controversial for this one. Uh, it was Blythe Spartans versus Bournemouth, 16th of December 2008. Uh, reason being is for me, supporting Bournemouth is because it's my hometown team and I'm very loyal and I've always supported them. Um, so whilst we have these sort of you know amazing times now with the Premier League and everything, I think you draw, you draw strength from adversity and basically... That Blythe Spartans away game, there was, I think, 73 of us uh, away fans of that game. And honestly, it was just so absolutely dire, dismal, clueless, and just basically diabolical. Um, but I think you can only enjoy the good times if you, you know, you have the bad times. And uh, being at that game, I wear it as like a badge of honour. So uh, when you get these new fans now, uh, you know, complaining... Um, because we can't get the ball off Man City. I just think, uh, yeah, right, mate, try being at Croft Park, December 2008. Yep. If you could sign any player, past or present, who would it be? That would be, based on this season, Dimitri Pae. Uh He just, the game at Dean Court, he just completely ran rings around us and his free kicks are just ridiculous. Um, get a free kick anyway on the pitch and he'd probably just uh, you know, bend it or dip it in the top corner uh, what a player uh, sure Eddie could uh, could shoehorn him into our team somewhere your chant of choice Boscombe back of the net it's got to be uh, it's nice and simple um, it's fairly unique as far as I know um, I don't like the way that all football charts nowadays are just all the same. Substitute one word for another. Um, even some of the cleverer songs sung at Bournemouth are all basically just copies from other teams. Um, so yeah, Boscombe back of the net because it's sort of spontaneous. Gives the team a quick lift. And uh, yeah, also a nod to our history uh, with the old name. What league position will we finish in this season? 14th place, which uh, would be really commendable. Um, would ask my little mate Liam what he thinks, but he can only say one, two, and three, and uh, yeah, don't think that's manageable. And thank you very much to Mr. Vinnie Goodfield there for being this week's supporter in profile and also brilliant from young Liam there saying, Arta, oh, how cute was that, Sean? Ah, oh, that's Great stuff. Well done, Liam. And uh, when you've got parents like Vinny and Becky and massive Bournemouth fans, I guess only natural you're going to grow up supporting the Cherries. Now we're going to move on to the feature now. And Sam is doing a special focus on the ASC Bournemouth ladies as they were in with the chance this past weekend to win the Hampshire County Women's League Division 2 title. It's Sunday, it's looking beautiful outside, and it's match day. I'm so excited. 
No, I didn't make a faux pas. It is Sunday. I'm not talking about Saturday, where Bournemouth got royally trumped at home to Chelsea, but we're talking about the AFC Bournemouth ladies, who have the chance to win the Hampshire County Women's Football League Division 2 title today, as they face QK Southampton in a 2pm kickoff at Ferndown Sports Centre. Now let's just take a look at the table. AFC Bournemouth are top of the league, played 16, won 14, lost 2. The goal difference is an unbelievable plus 47. So they've got 42 points. Their nearest rivals are Bournemouth Sports in second, who've played a game more, but they've also got two points fewer. So they're playing QK Southampton today, as I said, who are bottom of the league. They've actually only won once all season, and their goal difference is minus 40. They've got five points, so you should think the AFC Bournemouth ladies might score a few goals today and could well be lifting some silverware by the end of the day. It's going to be an exciting game. So the squad has been announced for today's game. We've got Alicia Hogg, Charlie Hall, Jess Cook, once again captained by Nicola Taylor, Zoe Barton, Danny Ormisher. We've got Sammy Humphreys, the sharpshooter Justin Mosley is indeed playing now. She scored 28 goals this season. In fact, the team is full of goals because we've got Paula Taylor as well, who scored 16. Joey Cranmer, Jay Tucknott, Emily Trim, she's not 10 this season, and Emma Lawns and Katie Flynn. So it's a very strong squad today. I really hope we're going to see some quality goals. So we're here at Ferndown Sports Centre and it's it's one of those days where when the sun's out it's glorious but when it goes in it's pretty bloody cold. Anyway, the ladies have just kicked off against QK. They're playing in the blue away kit that the first team recently wore against Villa. The wayside here in yellow is quite a tentative start. There seemed to be a few nerves early on. However, the, the fans and management here on the touchlines hoping things can calm down a little bit. The girls can carry on their great form that they've had recently oh but it's not a good start QK have just taken the lead it it looked like a speculative lob that's gone over the head of the keeper into the back of the net it's quite a shock start really for the away side based on the league position at least it's nil one here work to do although I've got to say the manager Vince Taylor's just pacing the touchline looking very calm and collected here Oh, moments ago, Bournemouth have just had a goal disallowed, and it's... Oh, yes, get in there. They've literally just scored. Well, you know what? Within moments of having a goal disallowed, they scored a perfectly legitimate goal just then. Uh, Sammy Humphreys, uh, composed finish. Good work from Paula Taylor. Down the right, left for the keeper in no man's land. The ball for found Humphreys. AC Bournemouth's number 10 smashed the ball into an empty net. It's one all. Good head. It's 2-1 here. Bit of a weird one as the game almost looked like it stood still for a minute. The ball's on the byline. Cut back to the feet of Paula Taylor. Swivelled and drilled home a, a low right-footed shot into the net to make it 2-1. Great stuff. 3-1. Cracking through ball, chased down by the ever-willing runner Paula Taylor, and she sort of met the keeper quite a way out, won the tackle, and then had to finish from about 20 yards. Very composed finish, considering the ball was bobbling around like crazy as she hit it. Anyway, into the middle of the net it went 3-1. So it's just gone half time here, and uh, I've been I've been really impressed by the football I've been seeing. Sammy Humphreys absolutely dominating in the middle of the park, like a like a calm Andrew Sermon. It doesn't do anything spectacular, but seems to be the cog that's linking the midfield together. Good range of passing, left and right. Very confident on the ball. Uh, also mentioned to Nicola Taylor as well, the captain. Very short at the back, hasn't put a foot wrong so far. Absolutely controlling proceedings. Also, uh, Charlie Hall at right back, uh, linking up very well with Danny Ormisher in the middle, creating a number of chances. It's looking good so far. Second half underway. The Bournemouth ladies are stronger in almost every department. 
creating a number of great chances. Surely not going to be long before they notch another. Ah, notch they have. A cracking goal. A swift five or six pass move. Sliced open the Southampton defence. Paula Taylor on the left of the box at the byline. Squared it to top scorer Justine Mosley. And managed to get a toe on the ball. Guided it past the keeper. 4-1. Great goal. So my reckoning, there's got to be about ten seconds left on the clock now. AFC Bournemouth ladies are seconds away from securing the Division 2 title. And there it is. Oh, what a solid win. And that that concludes an unbeaten April for the girls. I think they've scored 21 and conceded two. What an excellent result. I've also actually heard that AFC Bournemouth reserves are in Division 3. They've beaten Petersfield 4-0 away as well. But here... We have got we've got umpteen bottles of bubbly on the go, and it's the captain Nicola Taylor who's about to soak the rest of her teammates. Here we go. <laughs> Superb. So AFC Bournemouth ladies are promoted to the second year running. And, uh, oh, they're running over to Vince Taylor now. <laughs> Poor fellow, he's getting covered. So it's another successful season. And by all accounts, they didn't quite hit the levels of previous performances. But across the park, the players looked confident and the win was fully deserved. Now, whilst I've mentioned a few players already... Uh, I've got to say well done for Nicola Taylor firstly for an awesome performance but secondly for managing to spray half a bottle of Prosecco in her own eye during the celebrations <laughs> so after the game I managed to catch up with Paula Taylor she notched a couple and uh, I asked her how she felt after winning the Division 2 title well we're over the moon with the winning of the title not only do we work hard on and off the pitch we actually deserve it it means a lot to the girls as it's also back-to-back -back promotion for us. We, we are very happy about this um, success and the attitude of the players, managers and stars and supporters have been so grateful this year. Yeah, so it didn't start off too great today given their league position. Their early goal must have taken you a bit by surprise. Recently it's taken us as a team longer to settle into a match and has gone down 1-0 early in a few games. However, we just have to step up the game from then and we have to make sure that we work hard. Otherwise, we have a stern John that would tell us off. It's the standard of our league doesn't justify the quality of football actually being played. So QK Southampton shouldn't actually be bottom of the league because they do play good football, but the standard of the league is quite high. Also, the pitches that we play on doesn't help our style um, because if you look at the goals we've actually scored 60 goals away and better than our home so our home record two well taken goals today I, th I thought you were going to catch Justine for a bit you're obviously a very attacking side what do you think is making your side a success thank you for that I always keep winding Justine up saying about catching her at the top but I don't think it's going to happen but we do just have a little bit of laugh about it just to let her know that I'm coming for her at the top of the league we have had to do a lot of shooting training this year since last season due to the lack of goals. If you look, we've only scored 17 goals last season when we won the double, but this year we've actually scored 97 goals. Um, however, I don't think this is the success of our team. When we started AFC Bournemouth Ladies, we wanted to base the team around a, around a family environment and that's worked really well because basically everyone plays for each other on the pitch. So we have pace in the side which helps our attacking side and makes us successful as well because we can always catch people on the break or if you lose pocket of space, we can always, always hit them with um, a pace. So a big thanks to Paula from the AFC Bournemouth ladies team who had a chat to us after the game. Worth getting down to watch them if you can. If you want to find out more information, follow us on Twitter because we'll be retweeting the best of the AFCB ladies. Of course, this season has finished, but we'll certainly be uh, giving them some airtime on the podcast, especially next season too. So in the fantastic style of back of the net, Cherries cruise to championship as sorry Southampton slaughtered.
There you go, Sean. That's a good one, isn't it? Final score at Ferndown. League champions, AFC Bournemouth 4, QK Southampton 1. And a massive congratulations to the AFC Bournemouth ladies. That's great. Two league titles in a row. They're just rising through the leagues like Eddie Howe's boys. Yeah, and it's good to see an AFC Bournemouth win at the weekend after the Chelsea game. Hopefully, the first team will be replicating that at Goodison Park on Saturday. Now, Everton, of course, came fresh out of their 2-1 defeat to Manchester United in the FA Cup. And uh, they played fairly well, but uh, it was a last-minute goal that they conceded to Anthony Martial. Uh, In terms of the AFC Bournemouth side, I don't think there are any new injury concerns as far as we know, Sean. No, I don't think so. Gradle missed the last game with a slight knock, but I believe he's meant to be back into contention. So um, I know Francis got injured in the game, but he appeared to run it off. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. We're certainly not going to see Harry Arter as much as I think we'd all like to. Um, I guess the big thing is whether Wilson will get his long-awaited start. I'm picking that he may well do. He had a good 30 minutes in the last game. I think he might be good for 60 now. So I'm going to pick that Wilson's going to start. But in terms of the rest of the side, I just I just don't know whether, you know, Eddie's still, still been persistent with the same kind of formation. Um, so is he going to give a couple of players a run out or are we going to look to get back on track by trying to be as strong as we can? Everton are coming to this game. Yeah, they played pretty well, but pretty disheartening to lose to a last minute goal. And that FA Cup was really what they were hanging their season on. So I'm expecting a pretty deflated team and atmospheric Goodison, which could suit us. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. As you say, there's a lot of sort of variables with this fixture. Eddie Howe could blood uh, a number of sort of players. I mean, what about what about a Turbe? I mean, is this just a name we're going to continue to say and nothing's going to happen? I don't know. But yeah, very interesting. The atmosphere as well, again, could be fairly toxic because the Everton fans aren't exactly, uh, well... There's no, they're not exactly pleased that he's still in charge. Even uh, former Toffees legend Paul Rideout uh, came out a couple of days ago to say that he is very unhappy with Martinez being manager. It seems uh, from all angles he's getting criticism. If they lost this match, then um, surely he would have to go. But, I mean, it's too late in the season for them to make any changes now. There's no point. But um, he, I just don't know. I can't even predict this one, Sean. I'm going to, I know I've called this before. I'm going to go Golfest. I think Golfest, both yeah. sides, it's going to be open. Both sides like to attack. Interesting, Paul Rideout, one of his complaints about Martinez was that he has no plan B, mm. which, you know, we've heard mentioned by some before, <laughs> yeah. a little bit closer to home. But I'm going to think, I reckon it's going to be a big open game. I am going to pick, uh, I'm going to pick a, th- I just still don't know if we've got a win in us yet. I'm going to pick 3 2 Everton. Oh, well. I was. Uh, I do think there's goals because Everton have got um, a lot of firepower. As you know, we've had uh, you know goal fests already, and we had that that match at, in the in the FA Cup where we lost two 0 But you know they can score goals, so I'm going two all for this one. Mm. Now, part of the bigger, I guess the the press are going to be building up for this game is the whole Martinez. You know, if he goes allegedly, as we talked about in club news and on the online review, they could be coming in to make a move for already. Ho, ho, ho. Well, very interesting. Of course, we've uh, heard what the fans thought earlier on. It's I don't know. I think it's probably too soon. I was reading a number of opinions. Steve Bramley on Twitter, of course, saying, you know, he thinks it's too soon. At the end of the day, like, I think about it, like, Eddie Howe hasn't actually signed a Premier League player, has he? He's not He's not that way inclined mentally. To be a manager of, I would say, a top five, six club. Now, I know that the top four have become top five and top five have become, have become six. And arguably, Everton aren't even in that anymore. But they are still a big club, of course. Um, they are looking for a manager. And with all the money that they've now got with this new investment, they want a manager who's going to pull big name players in. Um, I don't think Eddie's that kind of manager that wants to even work with those players just yet because he seems to just like bringing in these championship style players like Josh King and then bringing them up. So is he right for the job? I don't think so. Maybe a couple of years. Yeah, I don't think Eddie's going anywhere. I still pin to the fact that I reckon Eddie's going to be with us 
30 years and we're going to have European success with him and he just won't go. Like if, it, you know, which I know may sound ridiculous, but he gets everything he wants here, absolutely runs our club top to bottom. The coaching staff, the physios, the analysts, they're all Eddie's boys. So, I mean, if he did go, we've put a lot of power in that man's pocket, really, because if he did walk away, what would we have left? But I don't know. I think he could grow... Either we'll grow and grow and grow and we'll just end up having stupid conversations about the big semi-final in the European Cup against Borussia Dortmund <laughs> or we're going to maybe, you know, start for a few years and then then maybe one of the big boys comes knocking and maybe at that point he goes. But I don't know. I think it's, it's well, as it often is, just paper talk. Yeah, so what are your thoughts then? Maybe tweet us throughout the week because we'd love to hear from you. We are at AFCB Podcast and, of course, we're on Facebook and that's facebook.com slash AFCB Podcast and let us know your views. Hi, this is The Biggin, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So the time has come and myself and Sean are proud to launch, drumroll please, the Back of the Net End of Season Awards. What, could we not afford a drum roll? Oh, sorry. Um, there you go. Yeah, the back of the net end of season awards. That's right, Sam. You can keep your MOBOs, your Grammys, your Oscars and your BAFTAs because there is only one award that it's worth its weight in, well, fake gold brush plastic. And that is one of our beautiful back of the net awards. Indeed it is. So as you may have heard on last week's show, we asked for some award categories ahead of this week's launch. And we want to thank everyone that got in touch via email, Twitter and Facebook, as we've now got our final 10 award categories. Yep, that's right. They're all ready to go. And you'll be able to log on to our website to register your votes for the next two weeks. And once the voting has closed, responses will be totted up and the results announced at a prestigious sparkling ceremony in Bournemouth where there will be free champagne, hors d'oeuvres and everything you can think of. Are you saying I need to tidy my lounge, get the glitter ball out and stick the oven on, Sean? Uh, yeah, pretty much so. Get down Lidl. They've got those cheap little lem samosas you can buy. You're, you're cool with that, right? Um, we'll have to see about that. Uh, anyway, without further ado, I suppose we better get on with announcing the categories. So I have an envelope here and let's just see what categories are going to form part of this season's Back of the Net Awards. Player of the Season. Most Improved Player of the Season. Match of the season. The best away ground visited. Best atmosphere. Funniest chance. Assist of the year. Save of the year. Best goal. And finally, Supporter of the Year, which is a chance to praise or give thanks or celebrate somebody who has gone the extra mile or who is an unsung hero or someone who simply deserves recognition as being a number one AFCB fan. So these are the categories and voting is open now. Superb. So, Sean, how do people vote? Ah, yeah. So, to vote, you need to visit our website, which is www.afcbpodcast.com. Leave your name, contact details, and place your vote on our awards page. Plus, just by entering, you will go in the draw to win an awesome back-of-the-net T-shirt from our soon-to-be-released line of merchandise. Amaze balls! It's very exciting. So, Sean, are there any T's and C's? Uh, yep. Just vote. Uh, do it <laughs> once, and yeah, no, that's it. I think. But uh, yeah, in all seriousness, we really want to make the awards representative of the opinion of fans, and we'll be getting our rather expensive silverware over to the winners soon. Very exciting, Sean. So, once again, voting's open right now. So, what website do they need to go to? Dub 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 dot afcbpodcast.com get voting now and be in to win an awesome t-shirt I promise our faces aren't on it 
Well, cheers once again for listening to another episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. And once again, we'd just like to say well done to the AFC Bournemouth ladies team. Cracking win against Southampton on Sunday at Ferndown. And of course, winning the title. Hopefully, AFC Bournemouth first team can repay the favour by winning on Saturday against Everton. And then we can have an end to a rather happy week. Yep, fingers crossed we pick up that victory. Now, if you're listening to the show on your phone via a podcast app, a couple of things. One, do make sure you hit that subscribe button so then it will automatically download a new episode each week. And also, this is a little bit convoluted, but if you listen to the podcast through iTunes on your iPhone uh, podcast app, we'd love you to leave a review because it just helps us to spread the word of the podcast when people search for us. Here we go. This is how you do it. You open up the podcast app, you click search in the bottom right corner, you type in back of the net and you will see back of the net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. You click on that, you'll see a review tab, press that, think of a lucky number, times it by seven, think of how many legs your favourite pet animal had, (laughs) take that off the original number, forget the second number you had and then put another number, look at the bottom of the page and you will see write a review press that please leave us a glowing review if you're enjoying the podcast and that that's it it's pretty simple huh but that would just we'd really appreciate it if you could do that thank you don't forget head to our website www.afcbpodcast.com look for the awards page enter your award nominees and go in the draw to win some awesome back of the net merchandise and we will be back next tuesday for another episode of back of the net the afc bournemouth podcast So, uh, yeah, this is a bit awkward. Um, In a huge dose of irony, we totally forgot to give you the answer to Do You Remember? And uh, we we thought we'd finished all the recording and it's now in the UK. What time would it be? Quarter to two in the morning. So Sam is now tucked up in bed, sleeping soundly. Oh, bless him. I can picture him now. He's got his Steve Fletcher onesie on. Oh, lovely. He's got Eddie Had a Dream chant on repeat, just quietly in the background. He's just snuggling up to his AFC Bournemouth teddy, Cherry Bear. Oh, so cute. So, um, yeah, sorry about that. So I'm going to give you the answer now. I reckon Sam would have been wrong anyway. The answer to this week's Do You Remember was Derek Holmes. Yes, Derek Holmes, the Scottish guy. I was a big fan of Derek. I had Holmes on the back of my shirt I don't know if anyone else did. No, probably. I doubt anyone else did. But uh, I, yeah, he was I was a good bloke. And yeah, he cried at Wrexham. And I was so great to see him lift the trophy when we won the playoffs at the Millennium Stadium. And my mate, Will, he's a Carlisle fan. And uh, that was where Derek ended up for a while. And I actually went to the Barnet away game. So Barnet versus Carlisle. I was in the Carlisle away end. And uh, just so I could see Derek. And I got a photo with him wearing my shirt and... It only got awkward when all the Northerners were all shouting, you dirty Southern, yeah, you know what? And I just dared not speak, eh? Because I didn't speak like any of those boys there. But anyway, this week's Do You Remember was Derek Holmes. Hey, it's kind of nice with Sam not around. I can just keep talking. Anyway, no, 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 I miss that guy. Um, Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week, and we promise we'll remember Do You Remember. Kakitiano. It's coming through the middle. Recovering challenge from Edward. He's He's onside. Hater. He's got it. It's absolutely unbelievable. James Hater has a three-minute hat-trick at D Court. Podcast Network.